Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. Uh, It is good to be with you. If you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. While you're turning there, um, just want to say thank you for your support of the Male Baptist Association. Uh, As I like to say, we're better together. Uh, And churches working together, I think, is uh, what's going to make an impact in our world today, and particularly it's going to make an impact in our immediate area here. Um, And so I thank you for your participation in the association. First of all, for your prayer support of the association. I hope you pray for me on a regular basis and pray for Vicki, our um, uh, ministry assistant, uh, administrative ministry assistant. Pray for the activities of the association. Uh, thank you for your participation in the activities of the association. Um, compared to lots of other associations, uh, we have a very active association. Whether it's uh, ministry at Jake's Day coming up this month, uh, next month, sorry, in September, September 23rd, we need volunteers to help pass out water and uh, man our uh, uh, two inflatables and help uh, provide. Uh, uh, cook popcorn and uh, uh, do snow cones, uh, as well as, uh, like I said, give out water and share the gospel. Um, in case you don't know, uh, Jake's Day is a, a day for uh, kids to come out and fish the, at Paradise Lakes. The ponds are, are uh, stocked by the Department of Natural Resources, and some of those catfishes are, fish are like this. Uh, it's, it's a fun day. And um, we have the privilege of just being out there and being, uh, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, we do get to share the gospel sometimes. Uh, we, we discovered that uh, as the parents are trying to uh, help their children to fish, uh, it's not the best time to enter into a conversation about the Lord. Uh, they're trying to keep their kids safe and make sure they don't fall in and make sure that the uh, they're taken care of, and so they're kind of distracted. But we do get to be able to say, here's a bottle of water. Uh, read, read what's on the, the bottle. It has scriptures about Jesus, and Jesus is, is the water of life. Um, and uh, we do, you know, at our tent, we do, uh, where we give out water also, we do get, have a, a little bit better opportunity to enter into conversation with people about the Lord. Whether it's the ministry at Fish Day, which we do the same thing, the Kiwanis Fish Day, they have a, also out at Paradise Lakes, they have a day for kids to come and fish. Uh, we provide water for that and gospel tracts and Bibles. And, uh, we have our home, home repair ministry uh, where we are trying to help people that can't repair their homes, minor repairs, not major repairs, minor repairs on their homes and build uh, handicap ramps and that kind of thing. You, your giving through the association helps provide 
us to be able to do that, provide the resources for us to be able to do that. So I just want to say thank you for your prayer support, for your participation, as well as for your financial support. Uh, and thank you for sharing Aaron with us. Uh, he's now on our administrative team, and uh, we look forward to uh, the input that he will give on that team to help us to be uh, on mission with God, uh, encouraging and strengthening churches to and partnering with churches to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. About, I've been in the ministry over 50 years now, and in my early days uh, of pastoring out in Montana, I heard a lot about church growth. Um, there were there were people that were promoting church growth and how to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's always been a challenge for churches. How do we reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then about 20, about 20 years ago, uh, there was, well, actually a little bit before that, there was an emphasis on seeker-friendly. In other words, uh, churches ought to be such that by the music style, by the dress code, by whatever to attract lost people to come to Christ, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's interesting that those secret, those churches that really began to grow, it, it didn't take them too many years. It took them about 10 years to realize that they really, they were reaching people, baptizing people, but they weren't discipling them. It really wasn't making a difference in their lives. And so they, they, they kind of changed the emphasis. And then about 20 years ago, the emphasis moved from, uh, as it were, seeker-friendly, seeker and that's still a, a, a method, and it still works in places. Uh, the emphasis moved to healthy church. J. Robert White, who was the executive director of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, Georgia Baptist Convention at that time, was, was uh, tasked by the staff to write a book, and he wrote a book on, on what it meant to be a healthy church. Uh, and it, lo and behold, uh, just uh, three years later, I was at the Southern Baptist Convention, um, and uh, like most pastors, they were passing out free books, so I got in line to get a free book. And it, it was a book by Mark Deaver on nine marks of a healthy church. So the emphasis moved, and now it's moved beyond healthy church. Uh, it, that's still somewhat of an emphasis, but it's... it's it's moved to more replant and revitalization, all for the purpose of trying to, to help our churches to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and help them to be the church that God's designed for them to be. And I, I respect Dr. White, I respect uh, Mark Deaver and those that have gone before, but I, I don't know, I just, it, it really it got a hold of me that I, I want to, what does the Bible say about what a healthy church looks like? And so that's what I want to talk to you this morning about. What does a healthy church look like based on God's word? And we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He begins, verse 14, for this reason. Now, what was that reason? Well, the first three, uh, two and a half chapters, he, he laid the, the, the truth of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he, he sent Jesus to redeem a lost world. That was his plan. 
And the church became a part of that plan as we who have accepted Christ as our Savior, who have come into a relationship with Him, He expects us to to be on mission with Him. And the Apostle Paul talked about that call that had, had been placed in his life to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The Apostle Paul prayed this for the church at Ephesus. He prayed this that they might understand the dimensions of God's love. And you'll you'll find that in all of Paul's letters, uh, almost all of Paul's letters, there is a prayer like this that he prays for that church. I want to submit to you this morning that a healthy church is a praying church. You can't get away from that. The Apostle Paul established it and he, 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 by example, giving them things that they could pray for one another, he set the example of a church praying. You go to the book of Acts and you see that uh, the, the church was a praying church. Peter was in prison and what was the church doing? It was praying for him. And they were shocked when he, when he got out of prison. Uh, they didn't believe God was going to answer their prayer in such a supernatural way. But he did. It says that in the church at Corinth, the, the, the body of Christ there was praying and the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas to go and share the good news into places that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and began Paul's missionary encounters, missionary adventures with God. You see, a praying church is going to make a difference not only in the church, within the church, but it's going to make a difference in the world outside. I want to say to you, prayer has to be a priority of every church. It's not, it can't be something that you just do on the side. And I, I don't know what you do on Wednesday night, so if what I'm about to say may not even apply to you. But many of our churches on Wednesday night, they still call them prayer meetings, but they're, they're, they're everything but prayer meeting. They'll have kids' activities, and that's wonderful. They will have a, go over their prayer list, and every church has a prayer list, and they'll go over the prayer list and talk, talk about people that need prayer, and then they'll have one person to pray and then they'll have a Bible study. Folks, that's not a prayer meeting. That's not a prayer meeting. A prayer meeting is when God's corporate body gather together and they pray together. They pray for, for, for uh, the things that Jesus talked about in the model prayer. For His kingdom to come and His will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven where we pray for kingdom issues, where we pray for those in authority, where we pray for the lost people to come to know Christ. You know, we spend more time praying to keep people out of heaven than we do praying for lost people to get them into heaven. The average church spends more time praying to keep people out of heaven because they want them to get well. And there's, again, there's nothing wrong with that. 
I'm saying, but that's just a part of what it means to be to, to be, be a praying church. So a healthy church is a praying church. Look at his conclusion to this prayer in verse 20. Now to him, God, who is able, now listen to this, to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him, to God, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's the way he concludes that prayer. God says, God's word says, that your imagination can't even imagine what God, what God wants to do in, in Mount Zion Baptist Church. He has a plan for Mount Zion Baptist Church that, that, will, that will, is far beyond anything you could even think or imagine. But it behoves, behoves us to get on board with Him so that He can do in and through this church what He wants to do. But then he says, to him, to God be the glory in the church. A healthy church is going to give glory to God. It's not going to give glory to the pastor. It's not going to give glory to the deacons. It's not going to give glory to a, to a, a program or any event. It's going to give glory to God. Because God is the one who established the church. Jesus died, shed his precious blood on the church to redeem the People of God, you and me, so that we could be a part of, the, of what we call the church, the body of Christ. He redeemed us. He bought us. And we ought to be giving Him honor and glory. What does it mean to give God glory? Up here is the understanding. It, uh, up here is what God is really like. In all of His attributes, His holiness, His righteousness, His goodness, His mercy, all the attributes of God. Down here, way down here, is our understanding of what God's like. When we align ourselves with God, when we say that, God, your will is my will, when we say that your, your direction is my direction, when we say, God, I want you to do what, what Paul says, that we would be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, I'm I want to cooperate with you to become all that you, that you intended for me to be, then we're raising the understanding in our own minds and hearts but in those that are observing us of what God's really like. That's bringing glory to God. And that's what the church ought to be about. To raise the understanding of what God's really like. That God's a God of love and mercy, but also He's a jealous God. He's a just God. A healthy church will give glory to God. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, I the prisoner, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter, I, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I beg of you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. A healthy church is going to have people in it that are walking a characteristic way. I was pastoring a church that I'd been a charter member of when I was in high school. I left Montana and come back to Alabama and... Uh, uh, they asked me to become their pastor, and I did, and uh, that was a whole long story, but we were sitting in discipleship training one night. Uh, it's probably called church training then, uh, but uh, we were waiting for, it, it was time to, for time to start, and there were just a few of us that got in there early, and we were just sitting around talking, and uh, in a little bit, I heard some people walking down the hall, and I just made the same. I says, that's my sister. 
In a little bit, my sister and her husband walked in. They said, how did you know that was your sister? I said, she has the characteristic way of walking. Do you have a characteristic way of walking your life before those people that observe you every day? Is it a Christ-life walk? That's what he's talking about here. I, am, I implore you, I beg you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. What's that calling? It's a calling to be all that God intended for you to be. He saved you not just to get you to heaven. That's, a, that's almost a side benefit. He saved you for you to be all that He wants you to be down here on this earth in preparation for heaven. He saved you to be His ambassador for, for Christ. Proclaiming the message of reconciliation to a lost world. He, he saved you. He called you into that relationship with Him. And He even goes on to give, you, give an explanation. What, it mean, what does it mean to walk in a characteristic way, a manner worthy of that calling? He says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another. What is humility? Humility is thinking of yourself as God thinks of you, not thinking more highly than you are, you, you are than you think, uh, uh, more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but not thinking any less of yourself. We have people on both extremes. We have people that think more highly of themselves than than reality is. We have people that have a very low self-esteem. They need to understand, both of those need to understand that, that God has described who we are. We are saints of God. We are born again by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are precious in His sight. God has, God has saved us because He wants us to be a part of His family. He wants us to live and become heirs and join heirs with Jesus Christ and be conformed to the image. So with humility and gentleness. Now gentleness is an interesting word. It really means God tamed. Having lived in Montana, there were still some wild horses out there, and, and we knew some cowboys. We knew some active ranches that still had cattle, and they herded them and all that, uh, moved them from one pasture to another, um, and they had to have uh, horses that would do what the cowboy wanted them to do. So they would break a, a wild horse, and they would make him, God, uh, make him tame so that the cowboy could... He could just move the reins this way or that way, and the horse would go wherever he wanted to go, or, or he would use his, his legs to uh, tell the horse what to do. That horse was trained. That's what God wants to do in you and my life. My life. He wants us. You know, there's some wildness, even in the, the meekest of us, as it were. He wants to tame that. He wants us to be God-tamed. He wants us to be gentle so that he, we will be useful for God. He wants to tame us so that we'll be useful in his kingdom work. Patience, that's just what it says. Patience with people. I'd, I'm pretty patient with people until I get in my car. And then, I don't, I don't know, it seems like the patience goes out the window or never gets in with me. I don't know where it goes, but patience with people. God's still working on me. Pray for me. Showing tolerance for one another. In love. I've been a pastor to different churches. I've been one of your International Mission Board missionaries in Israel. 
I've been an associational missionary in two different associations now for, for uh, 25 years. I've been a Baptist all that time. I grew up in a Baptist church. I was in, in a Baptist church in my mother's womb. So I am a Baptist, and I can talk about Baptists. Baptists are some of the most intolerant people I've seen on the face of the earth. And that's a sad indictment for us. We ought not be intolerant of people. We, we, we should be intolerant of sin, yes, but not of people. He says we have to love, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So he gives us what it means to, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So a healthy church has, has people in it, members in it, that walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which they've been called. Then look at verse 3 of chapter 4. He says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Being diligent. What does diligent mean? It means working till you work up a sweat. That's the, that's the picture of the Greek word. Being diligent to preserve. I love pear preserves. Now, what happens when you get pear preserves? Now, I'd, I've never done it, but I've watched my mama do it. You've got to have some pears to start with to preserve. There's got to be something there for it to preserve. So he says, being diligent, working hard to preserve what? The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You see, we, we, we think that what we desire and what we want and our preferences, even in church, ought to be the most important thing. And most of the issues that I've heard about in churches often get down to preferences. Well, I don't like that kind of singing. That's a preference, folks. Well, I don't like that kind of preaching. That's a preference, folks. And so we are to diligently work hard at preserving the unity that's already in our midst. A healthy church will be characterized by unity. Now, he goes on to explain why we can have that unity. There's only one one. One body, that's the body of Jesus Christ. There's only one spirit. There's, there's only one hope of our calling. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is in all, over all, and through all. <laughs> that ought to be enough to unite us, folks. If we would concentrate and diligently work on preserving that kind of unity in belief in those kinds of things, then the preferences are going to fall by the wayside. You see, our preferences get in the way of what God wants. I've probably said it here, and I, I try to say it at almost every church. When you come to church conference or whatever you call it, or business meeting time, it ought not be what the pastor wants. It ought not be what the deacons want. It ought not be what some group in the church wants. It ought to be what Jesus wants. It's his church. There's enough that unites us, that, and if we are working on it, then those, those other things are going to fall by the wayside. 
A healthy church is a united church. Look at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. A healthy church is a gifted church. The Lord, Holy Spirit, Jesus gives gifts to the church. I'm convinced that every one of you, if you're a born-again child of God, God has given you a spiritual gift. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or Romans uh, chapter 12, and you can see some of the list of, of, of gifts that God gives. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of efforts, effect, I'm sorry, effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what reason? For the common good. And he goes on to then to list some of the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit. He go, at, at, toward the end of that chapter, he lists some more. Listen to what he says. For even as the body is, is, is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Uh, and then he, look at uh, verse 14. I'm sorry, verse 18. But now God has placed the members. Now listen to this. Why are you a member of Mount Zion Baptist Church? Well, I want to tell you from God's perspective, here's why. But God, now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. In God's divine economy, you're a member here because God put you here. And so therefore, you ought to be an active member, sold out to God, go into the pasture and say, Brother Aaron, what, what, what do you need done? I'll do it. I, God has given me this spiritual gift. How can I exercise it in, in the context of the church? How can God use me? That's, a, that's an effective way that the gifts ought to be used in the church. I'll tell you what, you want to make Aaron's day, you do that to him. You go to him and say, Brother Aaron, I believe God's given me this spiritual gift. How can I use it? In God's, in God's kingdom in Mount Zion Baptist Church. A healthy church is a gifted church. Then look at uh, verse 11. He says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. God gave gifted people in the church, yes, but God also gave leaders in the church. Now, we don't talk so much about apostles and prophets and evangelists, although I'm convinced evangelism, there are some evangelists out there that are, it's a gifting from God and they know how to draw the net and they, they have a way of bringing people to Christ and not, co not coercing them or not, uh, not uh, negative motivation, but the God just has his hand on them, and they know how to draw the net to bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ. I'm, I'm convinced that. But I want to talk about pastors and teachers. Now, that really probably needs to go together. I, I just don't believe a pastor can be an effective pastor and not be a teacher, too. It's just a combination. In fact, the Greek almost says that uh, when you read it in the Greek. Pastor-teacher. God gave... These leaders for a purpose. 
God gave you your pastor for a purpose. Now, what is that purpose? Verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. This word equipping is just interesting to me. It, uh, it, it can be a medical term. It means the setting of a broken bone. Now, what, what do you do when you... When I had this, this little finger was broken. I had a uh, cousin that stepped on it. We were wrestling, and he stepped on it, and he broke it. And it was never set just right. Um, so it was broken, but it's still useful, so it's okay. It doesn't, it's not straight, but it's okay. But it, it was mended in order for it to still be useful. But the, 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 the word also can mean the mending of broken nets. The disciples, many of them were fishermen. In fact, two of them were Jesus' call while they were mending their nets. Now, they, they used a, a cast net. So they would, they would throw the net out and let it sink down, and then they would draw it back in. And uh, if there were fish there, there, the fish would be in that net, and they would take haul it to shore and take them out and likely sell the, those fish for that's the way they made their living. But those fish had, had fins on them that cut the strings of those nets. And so they would have to, after every, and they fished all night. So they would, you know, keep casting the net different places in the Sea of Galilee. And then when daylight came and they, they came back to shore and sold their, their fish, then what did they do? They spent the, the first part of the day mending their nets, making them useful again. You see, God gave you a pastor teacher to equip you, to mend you, to make you useful again. All of us are broken in some way or another. But the church is a, is a home for brokenness. But that's all right. Because God can mend us and make us and help us to become useful again. Now, he equips us not only to mend us and make us useful, but that we might do the work of service. That's what he says, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service or the, or the work of the ministry for the building up of the body. The purpose of a pastor, and I, I hope you never use the term hire and connect them with a pastor. You don't hire a pastor. If you do, you, you, you have a mindset that, well, if I hired him, I can fire him. And that's the wrong mindset. You affirm the calling that was placed on Larry's life when he came more than once. You affirm that calling that you had placed on his life to be your pastor. And that's what you did for Aaron. You didn't hire him. Because see, if you hire him, you have expectations that he's going to do the things that you want him to do. That doesn't always work out. A pastor can't do everything every person in the church wants to do wants them to do it's impossible even in the, even in the smallest of churches but a healthy church has pastor that's going to be equipping you mending you to make you useful 
for you to do the work of the ministry, for you to go to the hospital, for you to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, for you to, to be a witness in your sphere of influence. A healthy church is going to have a pastor that is equipping you to be involved in the ministry. He's going to be doing those things. He's going to be going to the hospital. He's going to be visiting in homes. But it, it's your responsibility also. That's the work of the service. Hopefully you didn't hire a pastor to just do those things and you don't do anything. That's wrong. That's a, that's a lie. It's out of the pit of hell. God gave you a leader, a pastor, shepherd, a, a, a pastor, teacher to equip you to, to do the work of the ministry. Look in verse 3, I'm sorry, verse 13 of chapter 4. Until we all, you know, it's continuing the thought, he gave uh, the leaders in the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, there's that word unity again, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to Christ, comes to the fullness of Christ. A healthy church is going to be purpose-driven. Now, Rick Warren used purpose-driven in a different way, but I want to say to you, I'm convinced that the purpose of the church is to mature the members of the church to the fullness of Christ. Maturity. To be full-grown in Christ. And so God gave leaders to help us to become all that God wants us to become, to, to grow, to be fully mature in Christ Jesus. And it's measured by the fullness of Christ. You know, we can look at somebody and say, well, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not as bad as that person is. And that's the wrong measure. We measure ourselves by the fullness of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I, fall, I fail a lot in that area. Verse 14. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, scheming but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. There's that idea of growing up again. Into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of, of itself in love. A healthy church is going to grow because it's an organism. It's a living organism. It's the body of Christ. Hopefully a baby never stays as a baby. There's something wrong if it does. Same thing in the Christian life. You're born again. In other words, you have a new, new birth. That means the process of growth has begun in your life to grow you into the maturity of the fullness of Jesus Christ. A healthy church is going to grow. There will be people coming to know Christ. If you're following Christ, if you're, if you're being matured into what God wants you to be, you're going to be a witness in your sphere of influence. You're going to be bringing people to church. You're going to be inviting people to church. You're going to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there will be people that will come to know Christ as a result of your, your witness and your sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with him. A, church is going, a healthy church is going to grow. But we've got to make God, uh, Jesus the head. 
as you can see, I can hardly talk if I don't move at least one hand. That's one of the reasons I hold the Bible, because both hands would be moving if I, if I didn't. But if, I were, if my hand were to be cut off and I laid it up there, I could, I could tell my brain, fingers move. It's not going to happen. You see, we've got to be rightly related to the head to be functioning as a church ought to be. That's why I say to you, when you come to business meeting, you ought to be thinking about what does Jesus want? It's his church, not what I want, not my preference. A healthy church will grow. And then lastly, a healthy church is going to be characterized by love. Look back in verse three of two of chapter four. With all humility and gentleness, with tolerance, showing patience, uh, showing tolerance for one another in love. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love. Look at verse 16. The latter part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You want Mount Zion Baptist Church to grow? You love God and love one another. And I guarantee you, visitors who come through those doors and sit in the pew, they're going to observe that you love one another and you love God, and they're going to want to be a part of it. Love is contagious. A healthy church is characterized by love because that's who God is. God is love. We go to the, go to the doctor. I go every six, six months. I don't know why he has me come every six months. I, I'm pretty healthy for almost 79-year-old person, but he has me come every six months, and, you know, he's trying to check out, am I healthy? Well, you've been to the doctor this morning. And I ask you the question, is Mount Zion Baptist Church a healthy church? I can't answer that. I mean, I can observe, but you're the one, you're a member of this church. You can answer that question. If not, why not? And what are you going to do about it? But a healthy church is only as healthy as each individual member is healthy. And so again, you've been to the doctor this morning. God's word has shown you what a healthy church member ought to be like. Are you? If not, why not? Probably could be because of sin in your life. That the Holy Spirit's trying to convict you of and wants you to repent of and wants you to ask God's forgiveness for. You need to do that today. You need to make things right with God. You need to be a healthy church member so that Mount Zion Baptist Church can be a healthy church. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, you, you, you challenge us to take your word and our lives and our experiences and compare what God's word says to our experience. And if our experience doesn't measure up to what you say, we need to have 
a get-together with you to let you do in us what you desire to do. So I, I pray that for the people here this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit is dealing with every person the way that they need to be dealt with. I pray that if there's sin in someone's life, that they would, your Holy Spirit would so convict them that they would say, I, I want to turn from my sin. I want to, to, to repent of my sin. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sin, and I want to be in full fellowship with, with you. Father, you can't have a healthy church without people that are born again. And if there's one here today that doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior, Father, would you just convict them of their need of, of a Savior so that they can become a, a child of God and be a part of this church to love you and serve you here. So, Father, we just want to respond to you as your Holy Spirit has spoken to us today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing a